0: Thanks to ZipRecruiter, which is the presenting sponsor of Recode Decode and The Smartest Way to Hire. The ground is always shifting in the tech world. The constant barrage of new programs, platforms, competitors, and regulations make running a tech company a wild ride. So you need a fast way to find people with the skills to keep up. There's no better way than ZipRecruiter. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes across this network to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. If you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com decode. Today's show is also brought to you by GoCD, the software build and release tool from ThoughtWorks. GoCD supports modern infrastructure and helps enterprise businesses get software delivered faster, safer, and more reliably. Download and use GoCD for free at GoCD.org. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as the founder of the new transportation company called Casey Car. You just open the app and Casey Newton shows up to give you a piggyback ride to your destination. But in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well done, Eric. Thank you for that one. Today in the red chair is Sunil Paul, the co-founder of Sidecar and the founding partner at Spring Ventures. He was also on the board of Zynga for more than five years, but the main reason he's here today is a very popular post he wrote for Rico.net. The Scooter Wars will be a bloodbath and Uber will win. Sunil, welcome to Rico Decode.
1: Great to be here.
0: Let's do a little background. You and I have known each other for
1: a, long a time. dog's
0: age, as they yeah. say, like since D.C. Yeah. In the 90s, in the early 90s. Can, yeah. you, can you explain how you were lucky enough to meet me then?
1: Well, I think I first met you when I was... Uh, AOL's internet product manager. Right, uh, and then I started a company, and I think uh, you
0: were the demo boy. That's what I think you were. I you think you I was showed a demo me boy. some demos. Yeah, I yeah, recall yeah. demo boying yeah. for Steve Case. Yeah,
1: I you know somehow that didn't make it on my LinkedIn profile. Okay,
0: all right. So you were working at <laughs> AOL. What products um, did you work on there?
1: Uh, well, basically all the early internet products, mm-hmm. um, the web browser, you know, FTP and and Usenet there? and all that. What there? were you
0: doing in DC?
1: Well, I came to D.C. to work on uh, space station. Mm-hmm. My early career, I was uh, an engineer. I helped uh, do the early design for for space station. Uh, and then I got really interested in policy because Congress kept mucking around with the space station. So right. I went and spent several years as a policy analyst on, mm-hmm. on the Hill for Office of Technology Assessment. While I was there, I started mucking around with this new thing. That, that was the early 90s. I started mucking around with this new thing called the Internet and that.
0: Mucking later, all this mucking later. All this
1: mucking later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you
0: moved to AOL. And why did you pick AOL? There were a couple of companies there then. You remember UUNet, all the rest Yeah.
1: Of it? Well, uh, to be honest, because I got the job. Right. <laughs> um, but it was a
0: hub of that. I mean, it was, it was. Unet MM, M- 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 the one, that other crazy guy who, who believed in aliens. Oh yeah. But yeah, he yeah, was yeah. like UUNet. And then yeah. they got bought by a telco, one of the big telcos. Right, A and S
1: was based out there A&S, too. A yeah. Purchased by AOL.
0: It was a bunch of them were out there, yeah. a ton of them at the time. And it was it was people don't realize it, it was because it was near May East, correct? That's that right. Correct. And then That's Gore right. was there too. I've forgotten so. all
1: those details. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a hub, especially I think you know Sprint and all these other companies had mm-hmm. had kind of uh, focused on that area. And AOL, honestly, I'm not exactly sure why AOL started there, but because um, it was
0: near May East. And that's why that's oh, really? really pretty much it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you would know. Yes, you I did. You literally wrote the book.
0: Yes, I did, indeed. So you were there, and then you started a company with Mark Pincus from Zynga. Yeah, that's right. Zynga. It was called, I'm t- it's I wrote called about Freeloader. It. Freeloader. I wrote about it in the Washington Post. They yeah, did. It was one of yeah. the few. You and a magnet interactive were the only interesting companies in D.C. at the yeah, time. Yeah, and we
1: sublet office from them. It was yep. that small. It's yep. like, oh, there's another tech company in that town. Was oh, let's go there. a
0: CD-ROM <laughs> company. They made a beautiful CD-ROM. They made some beautiful No one bought them in the end, CD-ROMs. Yeah. But So you guys started Freeloader. So you're playing Freeloader to the people who don't well, call. Freeloader. Like Freeloader
1: was. I like to say it was the hottest thing on the internet for about nine months, mm-hmm. um, and it was part of this category called Push,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where the idea was instead Pointcast of was the Pointcast hotline. was the big one. That was the big one, and Pointcast and the concept of Push was on the cover of Wired magazine. Um, you know, we ended up building that company very, very quickly and selling it within, I think, five or six months of, of founding it. Uh, and thank God, because the whole category fell apart mm-hmm. maybe six months later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was an interesting lesson. Was an so interesting what lesson. was the
0: lesson? Because well, young that, entrepreneurs are listening. I
1: think one of the lessons is, you know, everything seems like it's going to the moon, and it doesn't always go to the moon. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's things you just can't predict. In that case, it turned out it was sysadmins that got tired of all this traffic coming in, from, well, mostly from Pointcast. Um, and started turning it off. And they turned us off as well, and that led to just basically the destruction of the entire category.
0: Right. And the concept behind push was that you things would be pushed towards you, which the yeah, internet exactly. really is pushed now in a weird way. A lot of
1: it is, yeah. yeah it's so, like RSS feeders were kind of the first uh, uh, version of it. But you'd
0: want some news on blank, whatever you sports or whatever you liked, and it would right. push it at you. Right.
1: I mean, the iPhone does that for you. Without you even having to think about it today.
0: Right, exactly. But at the time, it was innovative. that You had to go get things before. You had to go grab them. It was hard to grab.
1: this was when a 56K modem was fast.
0: Right, right, exactly. And so it was a big deal that this stuff, it was a big, there were a couple big concepts like that that were um, Six Degrees. Remember that one where it was was sort of early Facebook? The the
1: first social network based in New York was (laughs) uh, started, I think, the same year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah, Six Degrees. Six Degrees. I forgot that guy's name. Boston. I thought it was near. Yeah, it was but, a
0: basement I was in in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. That guy has uh, gotten the, the entrepreneur, but he he also tried uh, tried creating a, a kind of um, a political uh, network.
0: Oh,
1: uh, I'm the afraid that didn't is that didn't with work all these either. Companies,
0: but nonetheless, you were early, and then you guys both moved out here, right? The the company that bought it was a mess. You guys got in a big trouble with them. I'm just yeah, I'm remembering yeah, the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Of we it.
1: were purchased by a, a public company called Individual, that mm-hmm. later got bought by someone else. But, um, yeah, part of the acquisition deal was we want to move the company out to San Francisco. That was when Mark and I first met. Mm-hmm. At the end of the conversation, we were like, you know, we really should go do this in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But the urgency of, there's all this stuff happening, we need to get this product out there. We Here's the developers, they're already in town. All those reasons we we started the company in Washington, D.C., and, uh, and but had the ambition to move it out to San Francisco eventually. So... After the acquisition, we moved, I don't know, 30, 40 people out uh, out here. You know, it was, um, it was the mid-1990s, and uh, South of Market was still a, kind of a—only a few tech companies here and mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of unusual to be in, in San yeah. Francisco. It was yeah. a it was. so strange compared to today. Where right,
0: right. There's tons of them. Just, you so you, you started, can't. and then what happened?
1: Uh, well, we started, and we sold it, and then we moved it to San Francisco, and— The acquiring company shut it down uh, months after, within a year Mm -hmm. after we moved to San Francisco. Which
0: was a typical experience for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's right. So here you
1: are. It's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the advice and, uh, you know, luckily, we'd structured a deal where if they shut it down, we'd get fully paid out, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, that's not that, you know, a good lawyer will make sure you get Mm -hmm. that term in there. yeah, so, uh, you know, I, both of us were out of a job. Uh, we went and started thinking about new things. Um, I actually, I, out of that, I created Brightmail, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first commercial anti-spam company. Right. Uh, Mark created what became SupportSoft. Right. Uh, which is this um, software to basically enable support services.
0: Right, and then um, Tribe.
1: Did Tribe. And then Tribe after that, uh, right. and then and then Zynga.
0: Right, and so, but Brightmail, explain that, because it was an important company, I want people to understand. Yeah,
1: yeah, Brightmail, I mean, basically, if you go back to the late 1990s, there was literally a conversation about we might not be able to use email Mm -hmm. in just a few years because spam was so bad. It was. And spam went from being a minor little annoyance to um, somewhere like 50, 80% of email traffic. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and we needed a solution. There were a lot of people talking about having significant government intervention in order to, uh, like, you know, basically imposing all kind of content rules. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I thought if the government gets in the business of regulating content, oh, that's, that's a, a, that's new a topic. bad thing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's going So that's, But that's why I started Brightmail.
0: Did you hear uh, Facebook today said there were Russians on the platform? Were you shocked?
1: What? Yeah, I know.
0: Okay, keep going. I'll I tell you shocked.
1: later. <laughs> shocked, sir. Um, Boris
0: and Natasha have been hanging out there for two years, and they're like, guess what? We have Boris and Natasha. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm really irritated with them right now. Um, uh, so uh, getting back, so email was a problem. It was a really Email big was a, so you yeah, so spam
1: was a big problem. I started it. Uh, I frankly started with an expectation that this would be a kind of small initial opportunity because ISPs were having a problem, but corporations weren't. With the idea that eventually we'd be able to go build it into something bigger once we had a foothold right. inside the email and systems you called, and, and nobody that had
0: email, it was just Yahoo Mail, right? What was, eva- what was um,
1: it? Back it was then there was ones. there was uh, there was AOL, of course. Uh, Hotmail had launched, right? But there uh, weren't that, that many. emails.
0: There was no Gmail for sure. at the There
1: time. was no Gmail,
0: right? And no. Yeah, it was, uh,
1: it was very early. Yeah. Uh, Earthlink, AT and T, right. Earthlink. were some of the biggest uh, email accounts out there. Yeah, absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah, little, little so you were cleaning possible.
0: it up for those. Because you could see it happening, and that email would
1: become so important. Yes, I, I was convinced back then, uh, and am still convinced, that email, it's like this fundamental backbone of communication. And, I mean, now it's maybe common wisdom that we're always falling back on, on email. Mm-hmm. But I think there have been many times when people have thought, well, maybe, maybe it won't be the foundational mm-hmm. uh, medium because, whatever, we're going to end up using... Instant messaging. We're going to end up using right. uh, Snapchat, whatever, some other new medium, and <clears throat> I think, I think it's kind of like the Kevin Kelly idea about mm-hmm. technology never never dies. Uh, I think in this communication world, once you've established a big network, that network effect, it's really hard to screw it up. Right. And Absolutely. So Email I think work. that's it's like the yeah. egg.
0: It yeah. works. Yeah. Like maybe someday we'll come up with a square egg or something like that. And little um, problems happen, but you fix it. Yeah, exactly. So you did that, and then you sold that, again, right. to... Who? To Symantec. Symantec, that's yeah. right. So it was we, a big sale.
1: Yeah, that was a big sale. We, yeah. I mean, that was six years, yeah. built into profitability, filed an S1, right. ready to go public.
0: Right, right, And exactly. got, a,
1: got a great offer, so we took it.
0: And then you went on to do Sidecar, is that right?
1: Yeah, Sidecar, after, <clears throat> after many years. You know, in the meantime, I, I took some time off, I invested, mm-hmm. I did a bunch of stuff, clean tech stuff, I... I taught at the first year of Singularity University Mm -hmm. and helped incubate uh, Get Around, Mm -hmm. um, the the peer-to-peer car sharing company. Right. Um, Yeah. What got you
0: into cars? This Get Around was it Get Around itself or well, actually, Actually, because going to email to cars is not really.
1: Yeah. Although I don't know, it's like it's kind of entrepreneur. Yeah. DNA slash. You know, people weren't thinking of it
0: when you did this. I remember when you came to me. I, I remember where we were in some like dumb ballroom. Was it maybe what a South by Southwest? And I was like, huh? And I, you were the first person who talked to me about car sharing. I
1: think about car sharing. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, it's um, uh, honestly. Well, first of all, as a kid, I was always fascinated by cars. I came mm-hmm. to the U.S. when I was four years old, right. and my mom tells me that was like the thing that I commented on about mm-hmm. what's so strange about this country is there's a lot of cars. Um, But actually, in the time period between Freeloader and Brightmail, and uh, I kind of had the initial inspiration in 1997. I was outside in Mission Cliffs, uh, you know, down in— Climbing. Climbing, and uh, waiting for my wife at the time to pick me up, and um, was waiting, looking at my, you know, flip phone. And it occurred to me that there's got to be somebody else that's going the same direction I am. And the big problem was there just wasn't a way to coordinate right. information so that I could take a ride with that person instead of my wife having to come and pick me up. So that was the inspiration. I actually tried to create a company in 1999 around that idea mm-hmm. um, and ultimately decided not to because I didn't think.
0: What was that one called?
1: <laughs> we could, Yeah, we called it VCar
0: mm-hmm.
1: for virtual car. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 And you well, didn't make it. Uh, no, we didn't decide to make it. Um I mean this was the era of ninety-nine cent gasoline. Right. So the consumer good demand wasn't really there. It was pre-9 eleven, mm-hmm. pre-climate change being a big concern. Timing. And, and yeah. Yeah. Well well definitely was the wrong time to, to do it back then. Uh, also the iPhone had not come out. Two
0: yeah, years uh, later.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You
0: needed a visual representation. You couldn't do this on split phones.
1: And you really needed like that combination of mapping. Mapping, GPS. Mm-hmm. An open platform where you didn't have to go beg, sprint, or right. uh, another carrier to, right. to put you on their deck, it was as it was called. So I had this initial idea, inspiration, worked on it, um, you know, filed a patent, and then kind of put it on a shelf for a long time. Um, in the meantime, I met the founders of City Car Share, mm-hmm. um, just because I was interested in transportation. I helped them get launched. They were the, kind of the first uh, nonprofit mm-hmm. um, uh, car sharing uh, organization in the U.S., um so was on the board for car, several years.
0: It stays in parking spaces, right?
1: Right. Car sharing is compared to ride sharing, yeah. where you're right. sharing access to the car, but you have right. to drive it yourself. Right. And kind of along the way, kept thinking about innovations around mobility, and one of the ideas was, well, instead of having to own the fleet, why not just allow someone else to loan you their car and you get paid for it? Mm-hmm. So um, that led to, uh, in the summer, uh, I think it was 2009, Singularity University, um, Sam and Jessica were students of mine mm-hmm. and um, helped incubate what became Get Around. Uh, and one of the things that was a key obstacle there was insurance. I mean, if you think about most, I guess most people don't know this, but your insurance policy will typically say that you can't right. use your car for mm-hmm. a commercial purpose for hire. And the insurance company can like kill your insurance. So I was trying to figure out a solution to this. Mm-hmm. I went to um, uh, a member of the assembly in California and told him about this problem. He's like, well, why don't you, like, what would you do? Mm-hmm. I said, well, get a law that says that the insurance company can't cancel your insurance. Right. So ultimately, that's what we did. We mm-hmm. put forward legislation. It was passed. Schwarzenegger signed its law, and it was the first peer-to-peer car-sharing law. So you were the reason for Uber, but go ahead. Um, Well, that was peer-to-peer car sharing, and that helped launch that whole thing. A couple of important concepts. One concept was just this idea that you could take your car and make money with it. Make money with it, right. Um, Another important concept was that the definition of profit was not per mile. It wasn't, if I drive a mile and I get paid a dollar, I've made a profit. It was more like, oh, well, I own this car, and I have to depreciate it over the course of a year. If I make some money, as long as I'm not making a huge amount of money, that's not for profit. So... I mean, these are kind of tiny things, but they influenced ultimately the the creation of ride sharing, right? Because ride sharing, um, so we created Sidecar mm-hmm. in um, two thousand twelve. Right. Created uh, started like in 10, eleven. Ten
0: or eleven?
1: Um, well, Uber Black car service had right. I think was created in ten. Yeah. Um, so we launched our uh, ride sharing service. Uh, in the beginning of 12, I think it was February 12, mm-hmm. and it was very quickly copied by Lyft and then by Uber. Right. Um, and, you know, the big insight was simply anybody can can give a ride right. and that that should be legal. And we figured out a way to get past the black and white laws of that had been passed right. to keep protect, that kind of thing from happening. Yeah, for, to, to, protect to protect the prevent, taxi industry. Protect right. the taxi industry, right. exactly. And you,
0: you had been— uh, in that group of them, now Sidecar didn't last.
1: Sidecar did not last. We Give us the
0: two quick why not?
1: Well, I think the biggest why not is, you know, quickly being copied by a competitor that had a, a huge no visibility advantage of yeah. of the pink mustache, and second, being copied by Uber, uh, which you know was willing to be super super aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in their. In the way they competed, not just throwing a ton of money at it, but using, you know, what at minimum were unethical
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: methods and it remains to be seen whether or not they're illegal. Right. So all of that happened. We weren't able to raise as much money. We tried to innovate our mm-hmm. way out of not having as much money. Uh, and ultimately, we try to tell you back and forth about what we did but a lot of the things we did are now deployed by by Uber and Lyft I mean mm-hmm. the interface and the experience that you have today of putting in the destination getting a price up front um, all of that is um, and you know sharing your right. location with others all those are right. things that we did uh, first right so i remember all these innovations that you got run over. but it wasn't it wasn't quite enough. And there yeah, were three. we got run over. We ended up selling assets to General Motors in the end.
0: Right. Right, but there were 3. That was I think the problem. There was there were 3 of you. Yeah. Ultimately. But I think you. Didn't? There's a weird
1: I don't really understand also the investor dynamic around why they can't two take three. Why and not two? Not three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never really understood it to be honest. Right. Right, but they made this uh, But those I, picks. I beat I beat my head against the wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially you were a long entrepreneur. but you were there. I, it was the 3 of you at the time yeah. and there were some European ones and Halo and
1: things like that. Halo focused primarily on taxis. Right. They were in in New York. There's a there's still you know New York's a big enough market. There's still other competitors. Yeah, but there
0: were a lot around, and then there just were two, That's pretty right. much. So how did you That's feel right. after that?
1: Well, I mean, during it, mm-hmm. uh, not just after. Uh, it, it's really it's tough. It's mm-hmm. it's um, you know especially as someone who'd been successful several times before, it's a little humiliating Mm -hmm. to like, damn it, why can't we get this (laughs) thing to work?
0: (laughs) Honesty right there. Honesty and uh, humility.
1: Yeah. Um, And at the same time, it was, I have to say, one of the things that was really fun, despite all the pain, was team. I mean, you hear it from a lot of CEOs and leaders, but it really is true. Like, It was, I, I have to say, in a way that was different than previous efforts and maybe because it was so hard. Right. Like it really like the team really had to show their mettle. And that was that was interesting. It was tough. Yeah. But but it was it was good. Yeah, being
0: not Uber is not so much fun. And actually having been there and thought of the idea would have been yeah. really irritating. Anyway, yeah, we're going to get now to scooters, which scooters. is how you got into that. And when we get back, we're going to talk about that. Sunil wrote an amazing piece about scooters, which have gotten really popular. And when we get back, we'll talk about that and more. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure. Your bank or PayPal can get your money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends, Tabit and Christo, who were frustrated by their banks' bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise. People sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid. The list goes on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee. So it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things. No one has ever said, it's important that my bank gets some extra money. Test it out for free at TransferWise.com podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. We're here with Sunil Paul. He's the founding partner of Spring Ventures, and he's just recounted his long entrepreneurial history, um, including his foray into the ride-sharing business, which did not work out. And then you started, what did you start doing after? You did Spring Ventures, or did you?
1: Spring Ventures is, uh, I've been investing out of that as like a platform for my own investments um, for a long time now. right? I mean, what have I been doing since then? To be honest, I've mostly been enjoying myself Good. and <laughs> being able to comment on on things. So
0: you commented on scooters. So this is sort of yeah. adjacent to what you had been doing. And you've been looking at this market, or had you ever thought of getting into it, or did you?
1: I have. I've never looked specifically at the scooter category. I've right. looked a long time ago at bike sharing, right? Um, and that was back. I was still uh, CEO Sidecar at the time, and but. I so think, explain what you wrote in this article. Explain. Yeah. Well, I what I basically said. It. What I basically said is, this is going to be a financial bloodbath, because of sort of the fundamentals of a two-sided market. Mm-hmm. And and explain that for people. Yeah, two-sided market. I mean, in some ways, it's characteristic of any market, but in particular, the mobility world has two-sided markets. You have to have supply. You have to have a driver, or you have to have a scooter, or you have to have a car available at the time when someone needs it, and you need to have the demand. You need to have people opening up your app, Mm -hmm. looking for a way to get from A to B. And I think the fundamental uh, difference with what's going on uh, today is Uber in particular, but Uber and Lyft together, both have a tremendous amount of demand side. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's a lot of people opening up their app, and they're looking for a way to get from A to B. And that is... It's way easier to add supply than it is to add demand. Right. Now, one of the points that defenders of the scooter valuations and scooter companies will say is, well— Explain
0: their valuations first.
1: Well, I mean, both these—a comp- a company called Bird and right. a company called uh, Lime mm-hmm. have both raised money. They've both raised hundreds of millions of dollars at—Bird, uh, I think, is valued—I forgot the exact number—over a billion. I think mm-hmm. it's 2 or $3 billion. Um And Lime, I don't think they disclosed their valuation, um, but they raised, I want to say, three hundred something million dollars. So, it's a lot. A lot, and especially Bird. I mean, these companies, some of them have been around for a while, but Bird in particular is a company that is, uh, I believe, less than a year old. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of enthusiasm, euphoria around this category, and I think it's unwarranted. Not just unwarranted. I don't. It's like one of the biggest. Valuation bubbles I've ever seen, and it's because of this dynamic that I see that there is no fundamental barrier, and you've got competitors that will be able to enter the category very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not like it's not, it's not like you're competing against some big mm-hmm. old school uh, company that doesn't know how to innovate. Uh, you're talking about you know two companies that have have uh, have been able to innovate a lot in the past, um, and the two barriers people talk about one is. Oh, well, customer acquisition is so cheap and so fast. The economics of this business are great. Um, and as a result, you can be able to raise a lot of money and land grab, et cetera, et cetera. Well, attractive economics are not a barrier to entry. Att- attractive economics are exactly opposite. No? Right, because everyone will come in. I don't care what scooter it is. Exactly. I mean,
0: oh, it's a bird. I will, I will not wait until I get a lime or something like that.
1: People are going to be motivated by what's nearby and what's convenient for them to actually purchase. If mm-hmm. it's in the app and it's close by, it's going to be a no-brainer. So, but I, I think the other interesting thing is that because customer acquisition is so cheap, it actually is very attractive for the ride-sharing companies. Customer acquisition for ride-sharing companies is fairly expensive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically these promotions of
0: right. get a 15% ride fifteen percent off. Yeah, yeah. Uber so just you, offered me so many coupons today when I was driving. I also found out the profile of my driver, which I was. Wildly uninterested in, but there it was. But go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I'm not a very friendly person, but go ahead. So you know they're paying ten, thirty bucks to acquire a customer. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they could acquire a customer for free or close right, to free, they that's hugely attractive. Right. So to me, that says, and by the way, this is not based on any kind yeah. of insider information. This is just based on logic. They're going to offer. Scooter rides either for free or very very cheap, right? Like as some sort of package, so cut or the price, or you know take ten rides and get it for free or right. whatever. Um, because customer acquisition is so cheap, that's like a strategic value mm-hmm. for ride sharing companies to acquire sure. customers. Then what about the logistics side? People say, well, look, logistics is so complicated, so different than the ride sharing world. That's going to be a, really. That's going to be a big barrier. Yeah, I mean if you read some of the articles by mm-hmm. investors and, and advocates of, of scooters, and that's one of the cases they make. Right. Um, and I just don't buy mm-hmm. that either, because... I don't either. The fundamental difference it. is you need to have scooters uh, charged and mm-hmm. redeployed. Yeah. Right? And so they use these things called chargers. They're people right. that will go pick up the scooters, um, charge them overnight, and and then redeploy them where, where they're people. needed. And, you know, they get paid per scooter to do this. So... How hard is it to get, you know, someone who's got a beater of a car or can walk Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go pick these things up? It's much easier to get those people than it is to get someone who's got a late model car, Mm -hmm. has a clean driving record, you know, no felonies, Mm -hmm. et cetera. A ride-sharing person is much harder to get. And these companies are recruiting hundreds a day. So to get a small fraction of them to go also be chargers is not going to be that hard. Right. And then finally, there's a tremendous synergy between the two. Imagine you're a, uh, an Uber driver. You're done with your evening. Mm-hmm. You go, you pick up some scooters. Charge put them. Up. in the back of your car. Pull charge them overnight. The Next morning, you want to go give rides. Well, where do the scooters need to be? They need to be where people are wanting rides. Right. Where do you need to be? You need to be where people need to get a ride. Right.
0: Yeah. No, it all does fit together. Yeah. So
1: for all those reasons, and by the way, there's one thing I didn't get into in the, in the piece just because I didn't want to make it a-
0: you're going to do part tone, 2 just so you know uh, all
1: right. <laughs> is uh regulation. So regulation changes the game tremendously. In, you know, in in the ride-sharing wars, we we created this gray area mm-hmm. that allowed us to go out and deploy rapidly and and cities had a hard time kind mm-hmm. of dealing with it. There's no gray area for scooters. Right. Like you're using the public sidewalk right. and fundamentally there's people much more pissed off at you because you know with the ride-sharing world, who's pissed off? Taxi drivers. Okay, that's a problem, but politically, not such a big problem. Mm-hmm. Scooters. Who's pissed off? You, every pedestrian that walks downtown. Right. Like, right. and they are all calling their representatives. Like, what's going on with this thing? So, so politically, very different thing. And then finally, from And a so you have to have thing, the
0: ability to manage that. Meaning, you have to be a bigger company.
1: Well, I guess what I mean by that is there's greater political support to clamp down right. on, which means you're stronger from a
0: big company point of view. If you're a big company, you can deal with that. Either
1: a big company or a little company. Yeah. So, you know, there's a uh, uh, press today that, uh, rumors that Scoot, small company based in San Francisco that's mm-hmm. done electric mopeds, uh, hasn't raised very much money, right. might get a permit in San Francisco.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like that. And it's largely because they've been friendly mm-hmm. and cooperative with mm-hmm. regulators in the past. Right. So, that changes the dynamic tremendously. It's no longer... Just, like, getting a permit in San Francisco is going to be incredibly valuable, mm-hmm. and that's not going to be... You're not going to get it based on the fact that you raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, right. And so there be all be kinds of other criteria. Of so
0: what about the social impact, too? Because people are talking about people hating on scooters.
1: Um, what do you mean the social impact? You, you mean, know, that they're
0: everywhere, and they're piled up, and they're a mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is kind a, of happened in bike mess. sharing, and,
0: with the loose bike sharing, not exactly. the ones that are attached to...
1: I think, first of all...
0: They seem gone off the streets recently, the loose bikes.
1: Uh, the Jump bikes? No. I mean, in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still there. So
0: Not that many. Not as many. Jump
1: actually has a, a pilot program with San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and as you probably know, the Chinese um, uh, bike-sharing companies are all trying to expand internationally, including the yeah. U.S. Uh, I think part of what's going on with bike-sharing and scooter-sharing is – the regulators have seen this movie before, just mm-hmm. by reading the press of what's happened in China. Right, and so moving the big pile of bikes. Yeah, I mean it's, it's. I mean I got to say they're one that of the photo most was amazing set of photographs. Yeah, um, this is a
0: photograph of all these bikes piled up, and you just sit there and you think, oh my God, what a everything about that picture's wrong. Yeah, Making I mean it's waste. just literally a
1: mountain. Of a bikes. mountain of bikes. It's, yeah, it's insane. Um, so I think. I think uh, regulators are going to respond differently. It's, you know, the the, the sort of social experience is what enables it. Right. Like, yeah. And and by the way, I think cities will end up having some little bit of middle ground. I mean, the right thing to do is to create areas for the scooters to be parked.
0: They just got fixed with the bike lanes. They they have to go back and fix this. Do you think they want to?
1: I mean, it won't be that hard. Yeah, we'll probably go
0: in the bike lanes, yeah, and then the uh, bikers, and then we'll have wars, which will be delightful.
1: <laughs> you can take over a, a parking space, and that's space for dozens and dozens of scooters, yeah, and 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 dockless bikes, right? And that's one car space that. I you mean, have to where they up.
0: ride, where they actually get to
1: ride oh. too. That's yeah, interestingly, in California, there's actually a state law to enable electric skateboards mm-hmm. uh, that allowed that makes it legal for. Electric scooters to be in the bike lane. I see, and on the sidewalk so actually. Electric. But oh, there's, there's there's a whole there's a whole another dynamic around cities having right to regulate what's going on on the sidewalk, but for things that are regulated by the state, they're allowed.
0: So they're allowed in city on city sidewalks.
1: Uh, no, because the city sidewalks regulated by the city. Right. But if it's like a a state highway or a state um, right a state which is isn't much space. of, which it's not much of, right? And actually, it's a good question. I think maybe the street right. in some cases is very is so, by so, state.
0: so you said that—let me do the second part of your thing. It's going to be a bloodbath, and Uber will win. Why do you think that?
1: Uh, simply because they have more demand
0: mm-hmm. by
1: far than, than Lyft. I mean, Lyft seems to have made some progress. What do they—what
0: they, what does Lyft have? Lyft is have, has the— You
1: know, they—it's uh, kind of hard to—, to They're supposedly going to They both try to kind of— uh, boost their own numbers, but uh, Lyft's claim is that they're doing really well here in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, and in uh, a few other cities. Um, what did
0: they buy? They bought Oh,
1: they bought a bike-sharing company called Motivate. Motivate, They're right. the ones and, that and do Uber City Bike has, in New York yes, and the Ford Bike that's right, in, yeah.
0: here in San Francisco. So they're going with bikes. And what about Uber?
1: Uber bought Jump, right. the one that has that permit. So it's a dockless so system. So who's
0: going to buy the scooter companies? Are each of them going to take one? Well,
1: Lime got... Um, not clear what the financial deal was, but uh, Uber has equity in Lime, mm-hmm. and so to me that says they're the most likely to get bought by mm-hmm. Uber. I, you know the valuations for the big scooter companies are, mm. I think, way too high right. for it's for Bird. Yeah, for Bird is way too high for Lyft. Uh, but there's a lot of other scooter companies, and you're not really looking for right. the existing reach. Of the network, yeah. Really plus, the founder keeps the giving people.
0: stupid interviews where he sounds like an idiot. Have you noticed that? I was <laughs> like, "Wow, this guy is really..."
1: I just saw a headline saying he's going after cars, not Uber. What cars? I don't know.
0: I don't know. Uh, I got to tell you, my kids like want to ride these with things. Cars. All right, when we get back. I want to know where it's going to all go then. Where, where we're going to get to? Are we going to get to like roller skates? Because Dara at Code talked a little bit about that. It was more than that. It was all kinds of transportation. So I'd love to get your thoughts on where that's going when we get back. We're here with Sunil Paul of Spring Ventures. Today's show is brought to you by Udemy. Udemy is the largest and most accessible online learning marketplace with the most courses, teachers, and opportunities for students everywhere around the globe. Udemy has over 65,000 courses from coding to comic book art available anywhere on their website and app. If you like learning as much as I do, then Udemy has something for you. Whether I'm at home, at the desk, on the computer, or using your app on my phone, Udemy gives me access to new knowledge wherever I am. You need to check out Udemy. Udemy. They've helped students all over the world improve their skills, their careers, and their lives. And they've helped me set up this exclusive offer for my listeners only. Go to ude.my decode right now and get 90% off when you sign up for classes. You will not find a better price, so sign up for classes now using my link ude.my decode and get access to life-changing classes for 90% off. And make sure you download their app for your phone so you can stream your studies wherever you are. That's ude.my/slash/decode. That's ude.my/slash/decode. Hey, Recode Decode listeners, this is Amanda Clute Eater's editor-in-chief, and I want to tell you about a new TV show that we just launched with PBS and chef Marcus Samuelson. Every Tuesday, Marcus explores the food and culture of a different immigrant community, like the Arab-American community in Dearborn, Michigan, the Vietnamese community in New Orleans, and on and on. I really love the show because I'm learning about new cultures and foods and traditions that I didn't know about in the United States, and I hope you can add these destinations to your travel bucket list. Check out the show every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on eater.com slash no passport required or on PBS. We're here with Sunil Paul. He is a founding partner at Spring Ventures, but he also is an expert on scooters and transportation. So where is it going? Because there's all kinds of, of issues. I know, for example, I, they are kind of useful, the scooters, compared to, I don't want to get on a bike, but I do kind of get want to get on a scooter, although I don't because I'm 100 years old. But my kids do. It seems more convenient. But then there's the electrified boards. There's all kinds of things. There's those weird roly things I see every now and then, which, yeah. again, most people over a certain age aren't going to get on necessarily. And it's not exactly... It's not a solution for most people. And years ago, there was, um, oh, God, I'm blanking. Segway. Segway, right, exactly. There's Segway, which was huge for a while. The idea of the value, it wasn't huge. The idea of it was huge. The (laughs) idea was huge, and he got a ton of attention. Jeff Bezos used to ride around on one. Um, and that's sort of, I just, you just see them in malls now or on police. I've noticed in airports, police all have them or they have bikes or something like that. So w- talk about this idea of other transportation. I mean, like use Segway as the example of it. Just and a- a- a Segway is actually somewhat useful, except it's big.
1: It's somewhat useful. It's, it's pretty expensive and um, obviously did not find its... Um Aside from mall cops doesn't and tours really from fine. San Francisco, and tours, they do tours. Hilarious. Yeah, I, I think. Um, well, first of all, I think also you look stupid on it. Part of what's interesting
0: is you look real stupid on a Segway, don't you
1: think? Yeah, I think, you don't that's, look quite what, as I think that's why, why they scooter. make that's why they make comedy movies. I
0: know it. that, but you look real stupid. But go ahead. I'm not sure what <laughs> it is about them, but you do. <laughs>
1: We've got this huge revolution happening in transportation. Mm-hmm. It's awesome and amazing. Like, right. you know, all the things you're talking about because of electric motors mm-hmm. and uh, electrification of the skateboards and feet and uh, not feet but shoes. Eventually, and, uh, we're going to have hover shoes. We're gonna just have like hover shoes, you've seen those, right? Actually, yeah. it's from Segway as well. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think we're going to end up with a system where the last mile in good weather, yeah, is going to uh, you can have lots of options. Uh, you'll be able to take a bike, uh, power power-assisted bike mm-hmm. It'll allow you to work even in in hills and and scooters and uh, maybe other things as well. I think some of those may end up becoming um, autonomous, at least for the purpose of redeployment. Okay. Um, you know there are people working on
0: meaning what? I don't,
1: well, in other words, a scooter turn
0: themselves in.
1: Yeah, so you could imagine ghost
0: scooters. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Tell me scooters. about this. Yeah, I hadn't even yeah, thought yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean. You can imagine if it's operating at very slow speed, and uh, you know it's not the super sophisticated, fully autonomous, is able to avoid all kinds of situations <laughs> at high speed. It's moving at very slow speed. If it has a problem, it basically stops and maybe phones home right. and asks for a human for final resolution of what it's supposed to do. Right. So you can imagine that that kind of uh, that kind of future, so yeah. that you don't have the chargers, but. Honestly, that's a small thing. I think the big picture is, we're going to end up in a world where it's much much easier to move around in cities because of these short short solutions or the the last mile last yard mm-hmm. kind of solutions. Um, also, because of autonomous vehicles, which mm-hmm. are coming. I mean, I know now there's kind they're of the coming. common wisdom is, oh, it's much further than we think. They're coming. I'm still in the category of they're coming.
0: They're I'm coming. with you on that. They're coming. They're coming. Yeah, they have to come. Uh, you know, I I if I was soon, mayor like of San Francisco, like I would bar cars. That would I would just set the tone. I just say we're not having cars in five years. That's it. So figure it out. Like let's figure it out. And I just say that's going to be the law. And then they'd figure it out, right? Like everybody... That's great. You, you just say it. Like that's how it's going to be. I,
1: I think there's a. Um, uh, I there's something I call the, people, the triple revolution that we have to get right in cities mm-hmm. uh, and and for, further away, too. But the triple revolution is basically autonomous vehicles, electrification of vehicles, and uh, ride-sharing or mm-hmm. fleet-operated vehicles. And we've got to get that right because, specifically, if we don't get electrification of the vehicles, mm-hmm. the fact that all of this uh, transportation is going to become so cheap mm-hmm. is going to mean we're going to have way more miles traveled. And if it's not electric, we're going to have a huge increase in emissions right so um, so I'm a big advocate of cities requiring which is where that, everybody's living yeah the cities in particular because that's where all this stuff's going to be deployed in the early days um, that they require if they're going to provide a permit for an autonomous fleet that it has to be an electric fleet right and that is um, yeah I hope that there's some conversations going so, on so, I hope it that seems some like cities most come of the with that. stories are
0: about fighting about them, about the use of them, about them being on the streets in San Francisco when the scooters entered, people are were putting excrement on them, you know. I mean now it's sort of calmed down. But it that seems to be always how this stuff is created. Everyone sort of sees it as like the plague, essentially.
1: Yeah. There's 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 like a a level of hysteria in San Francisco in particular about anything new. Yeah I mean despite it being a town that uh uh, you'd think would embrace new things. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of yeah. conservative. No, about new things. you see, last
0: week, the, with the cafeterias it was in the Chronicle. Uh,
1: didn't see. They're that trying to bar one, but...
0: cafeterias at tech companies. Oh. And believe me, I hate the babyfication of these techies, but let them have their friggin' cafeterias. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's like yeah, too much. Yeah,
1: that, that almost like, makes me
0: a Republican on some days. Not that not seems usually. like
1: stupid overreach.
0: Yeah. In any case, but there is this. But is, is there regulatory? problems with all these new alternative transportation systems. Do you see that as being like, because I feel like the politicians aren't, aren't very smart enough to understand where it's going, which uh, would be a fully autonomous uh, city that doesn't have cars in it, just doesn't have It has no driving. cars
1: and, and has much less need for the existing system of transit Right,
0: so talk about you, that too because yeah. Dara at Code was talking about the idea of that they you use your Uber app to pay for transit and then it saves yeah. transit it's good I, business for there's Uber. There's
1: certain kinds yeah. of trans- that's transit that's always going to be valuable. There's right. some cost, like we already built the BART lines, we already right. built, there's no, you know, like it doesn't make any sense to rip all that well, stuff we out. Still
0: have, well, we had built the blacksmiths, and we don't seem to have them anymore, <laughs> but like too bad. But
1: I think new extensions, things yeah. like, frankly, high-speed rail, we can talk about long, long-distance right. stuff in just a second, but uh, is not going to make as much sense because it's incredibly expensive for the to build out the infrastructure right. for this stuff, and uh, as compared to just building roads or just building these the sort of lighter weight mm-hmm. infrastructure where you can have a flexible as it fleet changes. up top and uh you know there's the autonomous cars i think are going to increasingly be autonomous shuttles mm-hmm. not and maybe also individual size mm-hmm. uh, vehicles because that's kind of what you need right most trips are one person and right. so you don't you can either on a very high throughput place, mm-hmm. like a very busy street, uh, Broadway, Main Street, whatever, you can have a larger capacity vehicle. It can be autonomous. This is already happening in some limited areas in different mm-hmm. cities, and in, in Singapore and some airports. Um, but I see that happening in the main thoroughfares and in the smaller areas. You can have an individual-sized uh, vehicle, maybe you know, maybe two instead of three people, and it can actually Connect up
0: with the bigger ones. With the
1: bigger ones, just through right. plato- platooning, um, right. meaning just following very, very close to the to the vehicle in front of it, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can have that high density. Because you're when you're in the big thoroughfares, you want high density. Like a subway car right. is awesome. Like right. you get so many people packed in there. Right. Especially in Japan, where you can like, right. you know really cram them in. Yeah. Um. I also think the other dynamic that's going to happen is cities, towns that are kind of far away from uh, the urban core are also going to see an increase in population for because of autonomous cars and telecommuting. Telecommuting continues to get better. It's already pretty good. A lot of people, remote work. But the combination of that and autonomous cars means that you can live an hour, two hours, maybe even three or four hours away from the place that you come in to interact face-to-face with people. Right. And out there, it's going to be cheaper, right? Right. I mean, if you go live in Reno or... um, Uh, Grass Valley or Sacramento, you can Mm -hmm. still come into San Francisco uh, to have your meetings for whatever, a day or two. Yeah,
0: when you sit around and look at community, it's insane. It's just insane. insane. Even today, I was going to something, I was going to drive my car, and I was like, I'm not driving my car. I'm just going to take it. Like, it was like... It was weird. I just, it, for some reason, more and more, and I'm someone who's had a car my whole life, but it's a weird, you know, like, I'm not a millennial, like, I have to take an Uber everywhere. But it's a really interesting shift. Like, it's the same way I felt like I'm not going to have a phone in my house. I'm going to have a mobile phone. Like
1: Well, there's a, there's an interesting uh, law, mm-hmm. really just a rule of thumb, um, called Rigetti's Law, mm-hmm. that found that throughout uh, human history, starting with, like uh, hunter-gatherers, mm-hmm. people have not wanted to commute more than about half an hour mm-hmm. to their place of work. And work could be where I'm going to go hunt for things or gather uh, out and out in the in the wilderness. It's true for villages. It's, and then once we got to modern transportation, the distance people were willing to go in a streetcar or in their own car. I think autonomous vehicles will break Rigetti's law because you're no longer just about the commute. And right. you're walking out to the place that you're going to go hunt, or you're going to go gather, or you're going to walk to whatever the small town, or drive to to your place where you make money. You're just driving, you're right. just walking, whereas in an autonomous car, you're going to be able to watch a movie, you're going to be able to eat. It'll be more like being um, on a train, mm-hmm. like a long distance train with car service and or with uh, food service and all the rest. So. So I think the whole dynamic around commuting is going to dramatically change over the next decade.
0: So what prevents this from happening? What do you what do you see as the biggest challenges besides the technology, the battery technology and everything else?
1: What prevents it from happening? Well, I, I think um, there are shockingly few barriers for it to happen, especially the Probably regulatory the city version. The regulatory is what It'll everyone work. brings up, but I, I think I think we're gonna work it out. We've got there is existing regimes
0: entrenched we, we interest. Might, we might
1: get it wrong here or there, right? But what about entrenched speaking,
0: interest? Insurance companies, garages? No, so they'll just go away. No, no. Like I mean,
1: interesting. Things. So I think interesting opportunities around yeah. uh, things like garages and and rethinking real estate. Mm-hmm. If you look at past transportation revolutions, mm-hmm. much, maybe most of the money has actually been made by uh, through some kind of real estate transaction. In other words. When you get a new kind of transportation, real estate that today is very cheap suddenly becomes very valuable, mm-hmm. and that story has been repeated over and over again: railroads and their right of ways, and streetcar suburbs, and the suburbs of of, uh, mm-hmm. of the, the automobile. So You're saying area. Grass
0: Valley is where we should invest. Grass Valley. I don't want to live in Grass Valley. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, although walking through if I, Market if I, Street I, today, I thought I am moving to Palo Alto for the first time. I was like. <laughs> And scene like it was really kind of I'm going to be writing about it. although increasingly
1: month. Palo Alto is a lot like San Francisco in terms just of its town? monoculture of uh, yeah. yeah you got to get out of this you're south right. of market area you're That's right thing. no I
0: was talking about because the the streets are
1: oh, too crowded too,
0: not that they're just like dirty and oh. crazy and drug invested and stuff like that everywhere which is interesting. Sound like a crazy. That's movie. a whole
1: other. That's thing. a whole
0: other podcast. But all right, so we, give me a couple. So then, the last thing I want to ask you is about um, those cars that vertical lift and takeoffs. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: I, it's amazing, and I was a skeptic until I. What changed your tune? Well, I think. So here's the here's the case for VTOL. Okay. It's basically it's order of magnitude fewer moving parts than helicopter. Mm-hmm. So that makes them more maintainable, easier right. to manufacture. So why were you a skeptic?
0: Because you thought it sounded crazy? Um,
1: well, I'm always a skeptic until I yeah. know more, honestly. Yeah. So I just thought, mm. it seems— It seems
0: feels very Elon Musk, doesn't it? Like, yeah. he'll have, like, 20 of them deployed. Right. Right? Don't you see it?
1: <laughs> right. I don't know. I think he's going to want tunnels or something. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so order of magnitude lower cost, at least potential, not necessarily actual cost. And then— it's easier to fly autonomously through the air than it is on the ground. Right. Uh, and so I think those two factors and, and frankly, capital helps. Like right, actually so having you're in Berkeley and you just fly
0: it. into a building in San Francisco and take the elevator down, right? So it saves, it's five minutes versus an hour.
1: Yeah, and I think where you're going to see even more applicability is... Rural areas. Yeah, you know, I have a place up in Sonoma to be able mm-hmm. to get back and forth instead of an hour, turns it into 15 minutes. So will they be or, single
0: VTALs or there'll be like a couple people in them, like a little helotown?
1: Uh I think the jury's still out on that. Yeah. Uh, that. Because of the technology base they're using, lighter weight, it, it kind of favors smaller number of passengers. Of you, passengers. I don't think we're going to see you know, uh, big cargo plane kind of right. uh, capacity.
0: And what about um, floating cars? Are there stuff that Larry Page is working on, the Kitty Hawk Hover.
1: Yeah, it's actually a very related. It's basically in the same category. Right. It's they're they're choosing to do it over water, as I understand it. Yeah. Because of safety, it's easier to deal with the safety concerns. So
0: between water areas. Yeah. So instead of a boat, essentially, they're going to hover over a body of water.
1: Right, and you know you don't have to worry as much about where you're going to land. In oh, other words, see. if you have a problem,
0: yeah, you, you just, just come land out. on the
1: water. Yeah. Whereas. If you're going over a city before. or you're yeah. going over anywhere Oops. else on the land, you have to be very, very careful about where you land.
0: Right. And and what do you think about that? That's another one.
1: It's called the I mean, Kitty I Hawk, s- right? I, Yeah, I saw a demo of it. I, I mean, that was it a TED? I can't remember yeah. where. Anyway, cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of these things until they actually start.
0: All right, last question. Reality. Transporter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Why
1: would I Starting. Kid? Starting with— uh, Starting with photons. Yeah, um, yeah. I wish.
0: What happened to the jetpack, awesome? Sunil, so, you know, What happened to the jetpack? That was going to be a thing.
1: Yeah. It was not a thing. There, I mean, there's crazy YouTube videos of. People I know, doing but it's stuff, not a thing. Like it's not no a one's thing. working on a jetpack. There
0: was a thing that was. That's what inspired a lot of this.
1: Well, I think it's a, a fundamental mistake we make mm-hmm. a lot, which is, you know, if you if you go back to the era of advances in uh, car transportation and yeah. rocket transportation and all the rest. There were projections of 200-mile-per-hour freeways yeah. and, like, literally rocket ships that mm-hmm. were capable of going to the stars
0: right,
1: in this kind of time frame, And that didn't pan out. And I think we make the same mistake in this category because we get used to the pace of innovation. Moore's Law is, I think, the most interesting example right. where it's clearly running out of steam and maybe quantum computing can do it, but there's no guarantee it will. There's nothing sacred, and I think there's this quasi-religious view that it's gonna just keep going and we're gonna end up with jetpacks of computing. Right. The odds are we're not gonna end up with a jetpack of of computing. Right, but scooters are here to stay. Scooters, or so they're coming back what, here in what, San Francisco, and they're still in lots of other cities.
0: Right, and they're here to stay. You think these companies, even the, yeah. even at the valuations because of the financial bloodbath?
1: Oh, no, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. One will emerge. <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath, and I think, they're frankly, their most likely outcome is to be acquired by someone, either by— And then be
0: part of an offering. Like, yeah. they'll also have scooters, they'll also have—
1: I think well, there might be some OEMs or some others mm-hmm. that— Because here's the thing, if they go out and acquire a bunch of demand, mm-hmm. then well, one thing we didn't talk about is what happens with autonomy— I think, generally speaking, the autonomous world is also going to be a kind of bloodbath or mess of financially. It's different. Everybody investing in these until there's just there's so one. much capital going into it, and a lot of different companies, they all think they're going to build their own demand. Right. They're wrong. Building demand is actually pretty hard. Um, and so if, if one of these scooter companies can go out and build a lot of demand, I could see some of these other companies that suddenly realize, oh, wait a minute, the biggest question when we deploy our autonomous XYZ product right. is making sure people actually get in it, use it, right? And it's not enough to just put it on the street,
0: right? A hundred percent. You're absolutely right. So, I always thought years ago I thought Uber would get acquired by Google because if you're building the autonomous car, you need the reservation system.
1: I think the 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 two companies that haven't yet kind of made their move, mm-hmm. Apple and Google, because of Maps. Mm-hmm. And if Uber is smart, they will figure out a way to. Uh, to continue to get more and more demand, including, you know, potentially building a mapping product or building a yeah. uh, other navigation. I mean, they're already doing it and talking about yeah. doing it with public transit. Because yeah, they've
0: made enemies about those companies in the last regime. Right. Wow, pissing off two companies. They're
1: working on they're working on mapping, but
0: do you think they should be in autonomous cars? Then, honestly, we just wrote that they're I, getting back into it again.
1: I think you need to have the expertise in autonomous cars, but I don't think they need to build. I think it's a huge waste of capital. Yeah, because agree. there's. There's just a ton of capital going into building yeah. out the capacity and the technology. But if you have the demand, then you can sit there and dictate what the experience will be for a consumer right. all exactly. the way down to the seat exactly. cushion. Right,
0: exactly. And so you can, yeah, because then you have OEM. Let me ask you the last question. I didn't ask you about uh, Elon Musk. What about him? Where's he going to be in all this?
1: Well, I wrote a I wrote a blog uh, at the end of last year basically speculating that maybe last year was peak Elon. Mm-hmm. Um... I have tremendous respect for what he's been able to to do. I mean, he's
0: he entered a cate- rocket right. on a platform I, in the yeah, ocean. Yeah, I
1: mean, he's taken on categories that no like common sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: entrepreneur would go after. Um, so, a lot of respect for that. And he's just a human being. I just don't see how you can continue to chase so many new ideas and be successful. Uh, certainly not at all of them, but even to, like, it just detracts from your core And then tweet things. all night.
0: And then tweet all night. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what
0: I don't know. What about Tesla? Well. He's certainly pushed everyone forward. I don't, you know, oh, in many ways, I'm like, you know, this
1: guy. Tesla is like,
0: pushed total forward. sea
1: change in the whole industry as a result yeah. of what he did. Oh, yeah.
0: GM wouldn't be where it is. None of them would be.
1: Totally. So, uh, I'm a fan of Tesla. I think there's an evaluation question of whether or not they can succeed, but, you know, if they are able to ramp up production, and uh, I'll tell you one thing about Tesla that's interesting, very different than other electric car companies, is simply by building out a significant charging network, uh, and you can imagine in the future, building out um, other infrastructure around autonomous, like in other words, having the ability to uh, have very robust navigation in your car and know that in this Mm -hmm. particular, say, corridor, your, your cars to be safe. That's very valuable. And it does start building a network effect that I think other OEMs will have a tough time matching.
0: Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens.
1: Yeah. 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 I I mean, we, we, it's, it will be amazing. I, I'm certainly rooting for Tesla. I (laughs) hope that they, uh, I hope that yeah, he succeed. reminds me of
0: Howard Hughes more than anybody else. Everyone compares him to other, like Kanye West or Trump. I'm like, no, he's like Howard Hughes. Remember, Howard Hughes did a lot of things in the aviation industry. People don't yes. understand that yes. it's the, people focus on the last part of his crazy life, but not the first part.
1: Yeah, that's true, and also the the similarity of just L. A. and the yeah. Yeah, oh, there's, a lot of, interesting. there's a lot of similarities.
0: I don't mean to say that he's going to end up like Howard Hughes, but it's an interesting. But Howard Hughes was creative and kind of like out there like that. But anyway, we'll see where that ends up. Anyway, Sunil, this is great talking to you. I expect you to write a second part to your scooter story, okay?
1: Oh, All right? It's okay. an assignment. And All thank right. you for doing it for that's, us. That's what I get. I sure <laughs> I get a writing assignment. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> yes, but yes, you ma'am. should. You'll get a book contract. It'll <laughs> be great. Anyway, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. This is great. Yeah, if you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode, Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. It helps them discover great interviews just like this one. Now that you're done with this, go check out the latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.
1: I'm Charlie Hall. And I'm Dave Tack. We're the hosts of Polygon's Quality Control. Our show is a lot of things to a lot of people. It's our chance to talk about the best new video games with the folks who play them first. It's a place to dissect the latest movies and TV shows. It's our opportunity to get out from behind the keyboard and tell you what we think. In person, every week. The world of entertainment moves fast. Quality Control helps you keep pace. Find us for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts.